Hello, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast Show. I am really excited to have with me Pamela Mertz. Can you say hello, Pam? Hi there. Yeah, so she is a Christian leadership and life coach, speaker, and writer. Um, she has written the book called The Truth About Church Wounds, um, which I think is really, really important with the time that we're in right now. Um, she lives in St. Michael, and she has three children, and she is also married. Um, she really enjoys teaching. She's a very good teacher um, and sharing all that God has allowed her to experience for his purpose in her life. Um, and you have a very powerful testimony. Um, I'm really excited to have you on and it's an honor to have you. Thank you for oh, being here. Thank you, Heidi. I am ecstatic to be here and just be able to share this time with you and share what God's done in order to bring this book about. Yeah. So as we know, this, this podcast is about mental health mm -hmm. and about how God is bringing us to a place of learning more about our mental health. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the wounds that we get are from people in the church. Um, so could you share a little bit about your story, your testimony, um, and kind of the before, <laughs> the before God kind of came and redeemed your story and um, open up a little bit about where things were for you? Absolutely. Um, this The idea for the book kind of came to me in a space um, where I was just asking a lot of questions. You know, what is the church supposed to be doing? And how come the church doesn't do what I need it to do? And how come there's people that are mean in the church? And, and I was really in a state of confusion and trying to navigate um, yet another space of, of abuse in my life, having come through, you know, healing from a lot of trauma as a child thinking the church was, was a safe place and where I can let my guard down. And when I let my guard down, there were some pretty deep wounds that, that occurred in that space, um, including, you know, when I was 17 and found myself expecting a child, my childhood pastor said, uh, I can't marry you hmm. because you're pregnant. And that was devastating that yeah. I didn't see that coming. Right. You know, and so that space was um, a very tender, vulnerable, shameful space. Yeah. And to not be, um, it, to, to have him not want to marry me and to have to find someone else to perform a wedding ceremony, trying to do the right thing. Right. Um, was kind of the beginning of some of that. Yeah. What would you say that that did for you at that time? Like what lies did you start to believe about God? Right. Because yeah. of that. Yeah, that if this man of God who was his pastor could, you know, decide that I wasn't good enough, what was God thinking? Uh, and how did I measure up with him? And so it just kind of, with a big old shame mallet, you know, hammered me a little deeper into that shame pit. Right. So we have a lot of people that believe I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough for God. So right. it's kind of why we have a struggle with performance because people in the church will do things that they believe is what God is leading them to, mm -hmm. but it ends up making them feel further away from God and actually get further away from God. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they're entertaining that spirit of performance. They're entertaining um, all these other things of have tos that they yeah. are losing out on the intimacy that father God offers. Right. Because from intimacy will flow. I want to do these things. Right. It's not the other way around. Right. We don't do the things and then hope yeah. that intimacy comes yeah. from that. It's, we start with intimacy. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So you're 17 years old. You're pregnant. Yep. A mom at 18 and continue to bootstrap myself and step into life and what that looks like and get married and buy a house and start living life and um, did not enter back into the church environment until my two young sons by this point were ready for Sunday school and a Christian preschool. And so I stepped into that. Pretty common. A lot of times when people have little kids, it's like, oh, I maybe should raise them. Yeah. Having some values. So they maybe even start out by doing it, not even for an intimacy reason, but just, oh, I think somebody else should help me with teaching my kids values. And the church is, the church is good at that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So we walked into that space and I began my first Bible study as a young mom and thought, wow, this is, I've never done this before. This is pretty cool. I've only had someone read it to me or over me. The fact that I can kind of wander through this and learn and listen. And even though as a young, young child, I used to circle the word G-O-D in my mom's, you know, Christian magazine, Mm -hmm. um, learning a little inductively as a little girl, um, I hadn't really had opportunity to study the Bible. And so I began to step into that space. Wow. Yeah. Reading the word of God, reading the word of God, studying with other women, Mm -hmm. um, hearing how they are applying it. You know, there's one interpretation, but many applications. Mm -hmm. And that was um, helpful to learn at that point too, that um, we don't get to ask, you know, what does that word of God mean to you? Well, that doesn't matter because what was God saying is the most important thing. There's one interpretation but we can apply it in many, many ways. Wow. That is so awesome that that hunger just started stirring in you. It did. Yeah. I've always wanted to know God more, even as a little girl. Wow. Yeah. That's how he designed us. He designed us to know him Mm -hmm. so that we will be known because we're seeking him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're doing Bible study. You have two small kids. You're coming back to church. Coming back to church. Yeah. Trying to figure life out as a young mom. And um, then my, all of my childhood stuff kind of blew up um, because there was evidence that another family member may be hurting. And so I had to bring all of those secrets out into the open and share those with legal authorities. And walk through that whole process of admitting of years and years and years of trauma and sexual abuse and physical abuse and all of those things that we hope to move forward from and not have to look at again. And that was a difficult period in my life for sure. Um, my then husband wasn't quite sure how to, how to handle that and navigate that. And I was in the middle of, you know, lots of intensive trauma therapy and and individual counseling and group counseling and walking through a legal battle um, to keep other um, family members of mine safe Mm -hmm. um, from this perpetrator in our family. So that was a season of, okay, God, what are you doing here? Because this is not comfortable. And I don't know really what's happening and how we're to move forward from this. Um, But trusting him and knowing he's always good. Yeah even in the hard times. Right. I think some people who haven't experienced sexual abuse or have had someone in their life experience that might listen and hear and think, well, why would you just talk about it? Why, why, you know, like, and as a counselor, I know that people will literally keep 
secrets and not tell anyone. And then maybe it comes out when they're like 20 or maybe, you know, sometimes it comes out later when someone else opens up and shares. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I know, I know that the shame keeps, wants to stay hidden and we don't want to share. And even sometimes when we share people don't, how do you know how people are going to receive it? Right. So it's a scary thing to open up. Um, So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a a really good question, Heidi. Um, At the time I was never going to share it because I felt it was my secret. It didn't ever need to be known. I was moving on. I was no longer in that environment, but when someone I love was in danger and I had that revelation of, wait, I'm, I'm not the only victim. Oh, okay. I'm stepping into this without even a question. And it was that that was the impetus and the catalyst for me to share my story, Mm. um, to make a statement with the legal authorities and then begin to share with my family what had happened for all of those years. No one knew it was such a secret. And I'd been told as a very little girl that uh, if I did tell that bad things would happen, you know, it's a common pedophile tactic. You know, your, my dad had already left when I was five and this individual stated that if I told anyone, my mom would leave too, mm. or she would go crazy, or there were all kinds of things. Or well, and, and as a little, even, kid, you don't yeah. know, like you no. believe that. I did. I was pre-logic, yeah. you know, five years old. We don't have that ability to process things logically. Those brain cells hadn't developed yet. And so you just take it verbatim. This right. is true. This is real. Right. And, and then it became more painful and I knew it was bad. And yeah, you just keep those secrets. Cause we think that it's better to keep the secrets. What was it like for you to share and get that story out? It was terrifying because I was no longer um, able to keep up the persona of the straight A student and the, the good girl and all of those things. And shame came crashing down around me. And there was a lot of spiritual abuse growing up too, that uh, from the, my abuser said, God brought me into your life to teach you how to be a wife. Wow. Yeah. And so there was that piece of that too. So, you know, even going back further than, you know, being pregnant at 17, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of misinformation about who God is. So how did you find out that he was a good God? Yeah. A few things here that can really, I mean, I think this is a lot of times why people don't even step into the church is because of what you're talking about. Like, why would I want to listen to a God who would cause this kind of abuse on me. Yeah. Make me feel uncomfortable and do these hurtful things to me. Yeah. I, I have a lot of people ask me that question, Heidi. And, and the only thing that I can come up with is that I truly believed and trusted that God was good from Mm -hmm. a very young age, that this couldn't possibly be from him. I didn't know where it was from, but I, it was hard for me to believe that God would want bad things to happen to me. I, I couldn't quite connect those things. I would ask a lot of why questions. And of course, he doesn't answer those ever. <laughs> That's another book. Yeah. Um, but I, and now I'm learning about brain science and attachment love. And I believe I attached very at a very young age to God. Mm. And in that space is where we pull our identity from and can, can navigate a lot of hard things 
depending on who who we develop that attachment to that deep deep connection of our heart and soul what a blessing yeah what a gift and i attribute that to my mom you know talking to me about god and me asking the question how come i can't see him yeah or answering me wisely um well you know about the wind the wind you can feel it and you can see it what it does but you can't see the wind itself and god's kind of like that that's good and i was satisfied with that answer that's a good answer yeah, it really was <laughs> very i good. used it very good mama <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So now you're opening up, you're sharing this, you know, this box that you were hoping, hoping you didn't have to open up again. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it really, it really blew up our family. Um, there was a lot of, of trauma and a lot of healing that still is in process. Um, I ended up uh, getting a divorce. My first husband was not able to really navigate this very well. And um, so I was a single mom at 28 with two little boys and a house and an, a job and trying to navigate. Okay, now what? Yeah. Now what? Now what do we do? Wow. And um, began walking forward, continuing to, you know, starting to lead women's ministry and, and do more leadership things within the church itself and form friendships and connect with um, other women on a different level, a spiritual level, mm-hmm. praying for one another you know, those kinds of things, the one anothering that I've come to really know and love uh, that we get to do in the church body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And is that where you're at now? Well, no, we've navigated <laughs> a lot of other things. Um, yeah. yeah, I ended up um, meeting my husband, my current husband, and uh, we got married and ended up having um, a little boy, um, our youngest He's now 22, but he was born and at five months of age, he was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, Mm. which um, many of your listeners may not know is a life-shortening disease. There's still no cure. And so that was quite a wallop. And I really wrestled with God at that point because I felt like I had finally gotten to my happily ever after, Mm. met the man of my dreams, settled into a, a new community. We built a home together and to have this baby and to have this, I was... I was certain that my pain card for my life was full and that the rest of it would be fine. I wouldn't have any more struggles. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we had this diagnosis and, and, uh, that was, that was a real wallop Mm -hmm. for all of us to navigate and try and understand and, and, um, surrender in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, but he um, continued to rally. We, you know, did lots of treatments and lots of fundraising for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and all of those things. And um, yeah, God has carried us through that too. Um, But then the really big trauma came when my, in 2007, my oldest uh, son was killed in a car accident real close to our home. We had uh, four o'clock in the morning, I heard sirens and knew something was up and prayed and fell back asleep. And then at five o'clock, we learned the the news. So um, that is something that there isn't anything in your toolbox to navigate that level of shearing grief and sorrow and pain. And um, 
while our church body rallied around us and really, really took care of us, you know, in terms of food and being present and hugs and walking up the driveway with boxes of Kleenex Mm. just to help us cry. Yeah. Um, There was some, some spiritual abuse that that was wrapped around that as well. Um, My son had been drinking and shouldn't have been driving. Mm. And so my then pastor decided that that was a, a great time to deliver a message about not doing that. And I watched, I gave him permission to address it and he, he took it a little too far. Mm. And there are people that have not stepped into a church since my son's funeral. Wow. And that breaks my heart because God didn't do this. No. We have an enemy. Right. It allows our choices to matter. Yes. And they do have consequences. Mm-hmm. And we're all living all those consequences out. But that that was unnecessary mm-hmm. and too extensive. I think you're in the grieving community. Yeah. You're, I mean, everyone's, yeah, that's it. You're grieving. Like there is a time for grieving. Yeah. That is, yeah. That's not the time to give a message like that. No. no. So that was a very, very difficult time. And um, I just had to take, you know, a couple of months off to just be, to just remember to breathe. Mm-hmm and to sit with God. And I had a friend come that day of the accident and prayed with me and prayed over me. And she said, may you feel and see God in everything, even the butterflies. Mm-hmm. And I get butterflies every day, Wow! every day for 15 years, even in frozen Minnesota. Wow. Someone will sit in front of me in church with a butterfly on their shirt or a little barrette or <laughs> on TV or something will come along. And it's just a kiss. Mm-hmm. It's a God kiss of there's more. Yeah. This isn't all there is. Yeah. That's, yeah. That feels hopeful. It does. That was a good friend. That was a good yeah. word. It was a really good word. It's carried me through many, many things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I named my my coaching business after it, you know, blueprint life. Wow. You know, the blue morpho butterfly and right. lots of stories behind that, but yeah. Yeah. So as you're navigating through this, because mm-hmm. I don't think, I feel like with some of these things that you're talking about, you didn't necessarily know that this was spiritual abuse or church hurt. Would you no. say that's true? Like you didn't know that. When do you I feel didn't. like yeah. you started to realize, okay, I've been wounded by the church. How, mm-hmm. how did you kind of navigate through that and then be able to kind of get the download to even write the book? Yeah. Well, I, I um, ended up doing, you know, a Matthew 18 process at that church and um, asked a lot of hard questions. I had been on leadership for many years and I just stepped off my, my, um, leadership position. And there were some things going on that I asked some hard questions about, and uh, they were not met with much openness or ability to have discussion. So we ended up leaving that church. And after I did that, there was um, pretty widespread uh, slander of myself in the community, uh, warning other churches to beware of me. Um, so I just kind of withdrew. I, I just went within and just hung out with God. Yeah. Um, And one of, one of the things, and it's in in the book that I wrote was, um, 
uh, in this process of trying to figure this out, try to have some resolution and some reconciliation per Matthew 18 principles, you know, talking to the person first and then talking to another, bringing another person along and then talking within a group. Um, I was told I was being disobedient and people that are disobedient and step out of the covering of their leader, bad things happen to their children. Oh gosh. You had some that after the accident, after I'd lost my son. You had something like that? Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, And these are the kind of things though, that can really, really create not just wounds, but lies where the enemy gets in and plants root into our soul that we will think I killed my child. And that is an absolute lie. And so I just want to like release that to anybody listening who has a lie that was received from a comment like that. And I just want to break that right now in the name of Jesus, whatever somebody has said something again, they're trying to do it because they have good intent. They believe that it's coming from God, but it's not it, but it's not. coming from the enemy and it's some way to like make them feel good. So I just release that truth over those lies. Yes, I agree. Um, And I'm so, I'm just so proud of you for navigating through and continuing to seek him. It's something that I I feel like you've said a few times throughout the show already is I just would go and sit with God. Yeah. Go sit with God. Like from a little girl, you knew that he was good and you knew that sitting with him was going to actually get you some real fruit. Yeah, I didn't know how, but I knew that there, it, absolutely there was something he had for me, and there was always more than what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And call that hope, yeah. call that trust. Yeah, I, I, it can be different things at different times. That's true, but he's the the source mm-hmm. of what I need, and I can only articulate that now that I'm in my you know fifties, but. <laughs> But looking back, I can definitely see that my, beautifully my life, in your fifties. Well, thank you. <laughs> my little, my little soul knew. Yeah, I just knew that God was who I needed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how. I didn't know what, but I knew um, that He could provide what I needed, and and I continue to to navigate that and yeah. seek Him and yeah. receive from Him because um, yeah. He, you know, Scripture says He's the He's a good Father, and He only gives good gifts. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I do, when people ask me, you know, well, how could you let, you know, God allowed these things? I said, yeah, well, let's talk about that a little bit. He does allow our choices to matter and he causes all things to work together for good, but he doesn't cause all things. Right. We have free will. Right. And we have a very, very evil world and we have a ruler of this world mm-hmm. and we know him and we don't like him right. at all. He wreaks havoc in a lot of our lives and, and causes us to blame God at times, I think, for things that God hasn't done. Yeah. And so I, I lead people through a, a confession at times when I feel like they're blaming God mm-hmm. for things he didn't do because that blocks intimacy with the Father. When you're believing a lie about, you know, our creator, um, it, it blocks some intimacy and we can't hear from him clearly and we can't receive from him all the things that he has for us when we're blaming him for things. Right. Right. So then he's walking you through healing, Mm -hmm. learning how to hear from him instead of hearing from the enemy and what other people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I chose to go to a Bible school and learn how to study the Bible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, after doing a Beth Moore Bible study, and I'm thinking, how does she do that? I want to learn how to do that stuff and learn all that stuff. And so, yeah. uh, girlfriend and I, same girlfriend, has you know prayed that beautiful butterfly prayer over me. We yeah. went to Bible school together and, and wow. learned, and um, became a teacher of the Bible school, and and just kind of navigated that. And then I ended up in coaching hmm. um, as a result. So I I really I see my path clearly lined with you know God footsteps. Mm. to get to this space um, and really sought what he has for me in the Bible. What does he say? Mm. How do I get to apply this? Um, what does it look like to live life? How do we do these one anothering things, mm. you know, these commands? And, and I just really love learning about him and his character. You know, A.W. Tozer has the attributes of God and, oh my goodness, that's so fun to read about and to think about. And, mm-hmm. you know, John Eldridge has a lot of teaches, teachings that I've stepped into. And mm-hmm. one of my favorites is um, Beautiful Allah, mm-hmm. which is about Jesus and all of his characteristics and how he kind of was a rebel yeah. of his time. And, he was. Yeah, yeah. He was offensive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. playful, you know, the yeah. walk to Emmaus, you know, he's, you know, just came back from the pit of hell of, you know, kicking the enemy in the butt and he's walking along these guys and they're like, oh, this is sad time and what's going on and don't you know what's going on? He goes, don't you know the things that have happened in Jerusalem? And he just kind of tongue in cheek, what things? <laughs> you know, it's very playful. Yeah, that is. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so you have such beautiful depth and revelation from the word of God. I do. From your hunger and him just drawing you in to know him more. Yeah, yeah. Now you are a teacher, so you teach coaches, correct? I do, yeah. I'm I'm, um, uh, contracted by Professional Christian Coaching Institute, and I teach essentials of leadership coaching, Mm -hmm. and that's really fun. get to meet all, all kinds of people from all over the globe that take these courses and then launch them into their coaching space. And then uh, I also am working with a ministry called Promised Land Living. Mm-hmm. And um, I am a coach, I'm the coach presenter director. So I train coaches there to present this curriculum and, and how to shift, uh, how to take your thoughts captive. You know, the practical application of that. We all know that scripture we're supposed to, but it's the how. Mm-hmm. You know, to notice those symptoms and, and then realize I don't have to tolerate this and this might be a lie and hmm, this is a lie. How do I step out of this? Well, you confess it and then you ask the Lord to replace it with truth mm-hmm. and then walk that truth out. That's and good. it is simple. It sounds simple and it is simple, mm-hmm. but we make it complicated because we get caught up in those thoughts. And we believe they're truth. And then, yeah. so the, I feel like the most difficult part is the awareness mm-hmm. is learning how to be aware. Oh, that's a lie. That's not right. true. like the curiosity of what's going on. That part I think is the hardest. Cause once you gain that skill set, yeah. be self-aware, then I feel like it's like, you know, it's like this fun game of, okay, God, take away all the dead branches. Now I know how to do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, a, and an example of that in my life is I used to be so terrified. Of course, I was terrorized as a child mm. and terrified of so many things so much so that I had so much tension in, in my neck and my shoulders that my shoulders were butterflied and my, my shoulder blades. Yeah. Fear really drove my life. Mm. 
fear of a lot of things. And um, through lots of healing and ministry and counseling, <clears throat> I was able to kind of walk through this and, and then went through a breakthrough healing, inner healing ministry where I was able to kick fear out and understand and see fear is, is a thing. You know, Genesis 4, 7 is the description of sin by God as he's talking to Cain. You know, sin is crouching at the door. Mm. Its desire is for you and you must master it. So God himself calls sin a thing. It's got knees because it's crouching. <laughs> There's a door that I must, it may be able to come in and out and I must be able to master it because he's a good dad. He's a good father. So I must be able to. So what does that look like? And fear is sin because it separates me from God hmm. by definition. I was not given a spirit of fear. It says later on in scripture, right? Yeah. And it says fear not in 365 times. We all learned in the movie, right? So fear, actually, when fear comes against me, and I use that language, I don't say I'm afraid because that mm -hmm. gives it place and ownership, mm -hmm. permission. Mm -hmm. When fear comes against me, I actually get excited because there's something good about to happen. Mm that fear itself is trying to block. And that mindset shift has changed the trajectory of, of my life in many, many ways. Because when you're entertaining fear, there's so much, uh, so many barriers to that abundant life. Um, but I no longer feel afraid. I no longer have fear. Fear is ineffective. And I don't say that from a source of pride, I say that from it's possible. Mm -hmm. Fear is a thing. Mm -hmm. And it only desire is to steal, kill, and destroy because it's a part of the enemy camp. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would love it if you could walk our listeners through that and pray for our listeners. Mm. Um, but I do have one more question. What could you say? I mean, cause we don't have enough time to go through your whole book, yeah. um, but what would you say is kind of like just a snapshot or summary of the book that you wrote and who would it be good for? Yeah. Well, it, what caused me to write, it wasn't necessarily my own journey. I just used my journey as the, the backdrop, but there's so many people that are walking wounded that have decided to be de-churched not unchurched, but de-churched. And I don't need those people and I don't need to go to a building. And I just want to say, yes, we need our one another's. We need our one another's to love us, to pray for us, to uh, forgive each other for things that may or may not have been done, you know, out of unwitting uh, cooperation with the enemy. Um, we need to bear one another's burdens. We need to rejoice with one another. All the one another's that are commands in the Bible, we need to stick together we need to have each other's back as the church jesus loves the church we can't hate the church and be walking with him there are wounded people in the church and jesus loves the church mm. and so walking this out uh forgiving and letting go of the offense is where we win and we get to settle into that space and be the church. There's so many people have been taken out of their position and the church is needed so greatly right now in the world. There's so much evil 
been so much going on and we have abdicated our power and authority that Jesus Christ came to die. He died to give to us. Yes. And we've abdicated that power and authority because we're mad at some person who did something at some point. And I just want to say, stop, Mm -hmm. put it down, Mm -hmm. confess it and reconnect with the church that Jesus loves the bride that's waiting the bridegroom mm. because those areas that you may have received wounding i would venture to guess that that is where your strength lies wow that is needed right now so what if you've played right into the enemy's hands to sit on the sidelines come on <laughs> <laughs> so good that is exactly what the enemy wants. It's exactly what he wants. Because it's a military thing. You go after people's strengths. Wow. Because that's where they're dangerous for against him. That's the message of truth about church wounds. You've been taken out. Are you going to tolerate that? Or are you going to step back in and take your place? Come on. Yeah, we need all of us. Just absolutely make our place every single one of us yeah. needed our strengths our abilities our capabilities like he each one of us is needed yeah oh well thank you so much pamela i would love it if you could pray for our listeners kind of walk us through even breaking off that fear mm-hmm. um, you carry a lot of authority a lot of wisdom i think we could just sit at your feet and listen to all the teachings that you have. <laughs> oh, thank you, Heidi. I, I love learning and sharing. It's not for me. So I would love to pray. Yeah. All right, Father. Well, thank you so much for each and every ear that is present hearing this podcast, hearing your words, your truth. Right now, I pray in the name of Jesus for fear to back off of anyone that has been entertaining fear and seeing it as their own cross to bear. Lord, I I pray that they put it down, hand it to you, and realize that they were not given a spirit of fear by you, but they have a sound mind, and they are capable and able to walk in the way that you've created them to walk, full, whole, able, able to receive what you have for them, that abundant life, that Zoe life, that full life that we know in our knower is true and somewhere if we can just open our hands and let go of the things that were never meant for us to carry and hand them to Jesus and then be open to receive the good gifts, the truth, the restoration, the healing. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, and people you. can get a hold of your book. They can purchase it on Amazon. Is there any other place? They can go to my website. There's a, a link there too. You know, it's Wait, blueprintlife.com. Oh, say it again. Blueprintlife.com. Okay. Awesome. So it's spelled B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-L-I-F-E.com. Correct. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you, Pamela. Thank you so much, Heidi. God bless.